to the book of John chapter 3 and verse 3. I'm to, this morning I'm basically just preaching a simple salvation message. And I know, you know, everybody here, you're all pretty regular folk uh, that, that come all the time. But you know, I, one thing I know uh, as a pastor, and I know from being in church all my life, you don't ever just assume everybody's saved. I mean, you never, you never know. Uh, sometimes people might be having doubts, or uh, they might have been deceived. I mean, you, you don't know. The only people that can really know that somebody is saved is yourself and Jesus Christ. That's it. And I can't, I can't peg people. I don't know who's saved and who's not saved. Uh, you know, I wish I did and make things a little bit easier, but I don't. And uh, so I, I think it's always important to preach salvation message. You never know when a lost person is going to be there. And then two, I think it's always good, especially if you are saved. Don't think, oh, this is salvation. I don't need to hear this. I think it's very important for saved people to hear these messages because there may be something that you can take from this that you can share with somebody else that is lost. And kind of maybe give you some ammo so you can be prepared um, to give somebody the plan of salvation. But we're going to read John chapter 3 and verse 3. And this is about a religious man getting saved. This person was very religious. He was a good person by our standards. Very religious person. And a lot of there's a lot of religious people out there that need to get born again. And that's what the title of the message is. Ye must be born again. John 3, verse 3 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. He came to Jesus by night. He's thinking, man, I don't want the other Pharisees to see me talking to Jesus. I mean, they, the Pharisees, they didn't like Jesus, but Nicodemus, boy, he knew. There's something that this man's teaching that he said, we know that this comes from God. And, but he was still, he wanted to kind of go in secret. He didn't want people to know about it. So he comes by night. He said he knew he was a teacher from God, and Jesus told him, except the man be born again. Then verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? I don't know, if, you know, I, Nicodemus, I mean, obviously, He's not, you know, he's thinking it can't be being reborn by your mom. You can't enter back in your mother's womb. You know, I mean, you can't be talking about maybe just starting all over. Like I've messed up in this life. I've been a sinner in this life. So maybe, you know, do I have to try again in another life to not sin that time? That wasn't what he was talking about. And Jesus answered, "Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of water." And this is not talking about baptism. Whenever you're born, everybody that's in here, you were born of water. You were inside your mother's womb in the water. This is talking about the natural, physical birth, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven or into the kingdom of God. You have to be, everybody in here, you're all born of water. You can tell by looking at you. You're here. You're a human being. But being born of the Spirit, that's the being born again. Being born spiritually. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Jesus says something that sounds really strange here, but remember, Jesus often, when He would be talking to His disciples or to whoever, He would give them these earthly comparisons. If He would have spoken heavenly things, He said you wouldn't be able to understand it. So He would tell us in earthly ways to kind of bring it down to our level 
to help us understand it. And he tells Nicodemus, ye must be born again. Everybody that is, if you want to go to heaven, they have to be born again. That's a, that's a term a lot of people don't like, a lot of churches don't want to use, but it's a Bible term. It's a term that Jesus used. He said, ye must be born again. I'm going to go to heaven someday because I have been born again. I was born of the flesh on November 24th, 1980, but I was born again on April 30th, 1986. That being born of the flesh wasn't enough. I was born in sin. I was on my way to hell, but thank God I was born again. I was born spiritually. I was resurrected spiritually. And, I, and I'm saved today because of that. And so if somebody is going to be born again, that's what it's all about. We ought to be telling people about how they can be born again. About how they can get saved. When we talk about getting saved, we're talking about being saved from your sin. Because it says in Romans chapter 3, 23, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Unfortunately, I mean, while this world is getting worse and worse and while people are getting more and more wicked, you would think that it would be easier to convince people that they're a sinner. But you know what's getting harder today to convince people that they're a sinner? Especially religious people. And Nicodemus, uh, you know, obviously, you know, he he figured it out. He got saved. But many people they have a tough time figuring out that you are a sinner. It's like, well, what does that mean? I am a sinner. You know what? What's the big deal about? It? Well, first of all, sin is a big deal. Sin is huge. It's sin that separates us from God. It's sin that caused the fall of man. God used to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. The Bible says He was able to walk with them. It didn't kill them. It would kill us now to see God in His glory. We couldn't handle it because of our sin. But when they went and they ate of that fruit, God had to banish them from paradise. He banished them from the garden. Sin cannot be in the presence of God. And we've all inherited that sin nature. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, "...wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men." For that all have sinned. Sin came over by one man. You know, I get so tired of people all the time. Whenever some bad catastrophe happens, whenever somebody does something really horrible, like the example of the latest school shooting that took place and just other horrific things that take place, many times people will start saying, well, you know, they'll start kind of mocking Christians and saying, wow, where was your God on that one? Why didn't your God put a stop to that? Why didn't your God do something about that? Let me tell you something. The stuff, the bad stuff that goes on in the world today is not because of God. It's because of man. It's because of sin. Sinful man, we are capable of all kinds of horrible things. God didn't make us that way. God made us good. He made us perfect. But it was man that chose to sin. It was man that fell. And Adam and Eve, they ate of that fruit. They sinned. And not many years later, you know, they had the two sons. And one of those sons went and killed his own brother. It was sin that caused that. God didn't make him that way. It's man that has done that. We've all sinned. Well, I've never shot anybody. i never killed anybody. But you've all sinned. You've sinned against other people and it's made them sin against other people. Sin, it's a disease. It spreads. It's man that's sinful. God didn't do it. Man did it. 
of ourselves. There is no good thing. Our righteousness is like a filthy rag in the eyes of God. Romans 3 verse 10 says, As is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Tell you, you know, I'm getting really tired. I just, I barely can even listen to the news anymore. I just can't handle it. I'm so tired of hearing our politicians and the news media and our leaders trying to figure out how they can stop all these horrible things that are going on in the world today. And they're constantly, oh, you know, we're, we're going to have to, we ought to have more gun control. We got to take away people's guns. And it's like nobody's talking about the fact that there are this much evil in the world. You know, those guns don't go flying off by themselves and shooting people. Some person, a human being, has to take those things and point them at somebody and pull the trigger knowing what it can do. And nobody asks the question, you know, how can this be going on? How can young young adults and young kids be going and killing each other. What is going on in our society? What is going on in our culture that we are this wicked, that this kind of thing is happening more and more? And no, nobody's talking about that. And what can we do to stop it? Take away freedom in this area. You know, we need to have, you know, run more commercials, you know, telling people, you know, you need to have common sense. You know, we need to make more laws. Listen, you can make all the laws you want, but people are going to keep breaking them. You know why? Because man is sinful. And the thing that we need to start thinking about is that we need a revival in this nation. We need to be reaching more people with the Gospel. If people would be born again, if they'd have the Holy Spirit dwell inside of them, they are going to be very unlikely to go shooting other people. Especially a bunch of little kids. That kind of thing. It's it's just not going to happen. But we in our society, we have done everything we can to push God out of it. You know, we've tried to push the Bible out of the schools, push prayer out of the schools. I mean, and on the television, they do everything they can to mock and make fun of Christianity and of the Word of God. And then we wonder why things are just going crazy in our culture. We are capable of anything as human beings. And we need to realize if there's any hope, we've got to have revival. We need God to do a work in these people's lives. It's not, it's not going to be the right medication that's going to fix all these people they have mental problems. Well, they might. But you know what? they got a sin problem too. Because there's always been people that have mental problems. But you know what? It's a, it's a sin problem that causes these things. And it's not going to be fixed by a pill. It's going to be fixed by being born again. And you must be born again. Sin, it is a huge deal. Sin has a big cost. Think about the cost that people that you've paid in your own life by the sin of other people. What it's cost you. What it's done to you. We've all suffered at the hand of someone else's sin. And someone else has suffered because of our sin. But you know what? Nobody suffered like Jesus Christ did. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And that's the cost. That's why Adam and Eve eventually died. It was They weren't supposed to. They were supposed to live forever. But God told them that they would surely die if they ate that fruit. And they did. We're all going to eventually die. You're all going to die because you're a sinner. Had you lived your entire life and never sinned, you wouldn't die. But you know what? You blew that real fast, didn't you? But you were born a sinner. That's what we are. And 
And sin, it has a big cost. Death. And when we talk about death, we're not talking about, listen, the kind of death I was talking about before I started preaching. That's kind of exciting. A death that we're going to wake up from someday and resurrect from. No, not that kind of death. The child of God, we don't ever really die. Our body does. But our spirit goes on to be with God in heaven. When the Bible's talking about death here, it's talking about an eternal death in a place called hell that is real. A place of fire and a place of torment. You say, oh, I don't believe a loving God would send somebody to hell. Listen, a loving God made a perfect world. The loving God made a paradise. And it was man that rejected God. It was man that sinned. It was man that has done all the stuff that's going on today. God made hell, the Bible says, for the devil and his angels. But man chose to follow the devil. And you know what the loving God did? The loving God sent His Son to pay for our sins and to die on a cross. It's not that God's sending you to hell. Okay, God sent His Savior. So you wouldn't have to go to hell. But unfortunately, many people, they've rejected that. I don't think my sin's a big deal. I don't think I have a problem. I don't believe that Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. I can get there on my own. I can get there on my good works. There is no heaven. There is no hell. They say all those things. But Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through religion. No. Through Muhammad? No. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. He had to come. He was born of a virgin. He was not born of man. Otherwise, He would have been a sinner too. He was born of a virgin. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was the Son of God. He was God. And so that's why He never sinned. Not one time. He died innocent on that cross. Sin, it, it, it was a huge price Jesus had to pay. And the only other alternative, the only other way to pay for our sin besides Jesus dying on the cross is us spending an eternity in hell. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 13 says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead. Alright, the dead. Spiritually dead. Those who were never born again. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Everybody that gets judged by their works is going to go to hell. Everybody who stands at that great white throne of judgment is going to go to hell. Those who are saved, we're going to stand at what's called the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to have an advocate that day. We're not going to be judged according to our works. We're going to be judged according to the works of Jesus Christ. And those who have put their faith and trust in His works will be able to go to heaven. Not because of them, because of Him. But the great white throne, they're going to be judged according to their works. And they're going to be cast in the lake of fire, the Bible says. Which is, it says, which is the second death. They're going to die again. Everyone who's lost, they die that physical death and they die again spiritually. And that second death that is eternal in that place called hell or the lake of fire. The only other payment that could be made was that of the righteous Lamb of God. Revelation chapter 5, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. I can almost quote it. I think I can usually quote it. I'll mess it up if I try. It says, And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. 
And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And as far as mankind was concerned, nobody was worthy. But in verse 5, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Talking about Jesus Christ. He prevailed when He died on that cross. He prevailed when He who knew no sin became sin for us. When you read the story of the crucifixion, and it says that Jesus hanging there on that cross, and all of a sudden there was darkness. And Jesus said, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? Our sin was such a big deal. Our sin was so bad. It was so disgusting that God literally had to look away from His own Son. He couldn't even look at it. That's how bad our sin was. And Jesus Christ by Himself hung there on the cross paying for our sin. Have you ever seen something that was just so gross you had to look away? That's what God had to do when He saw Jesus, His own Son carrying our sin because that's how bad it is. Our sin separates us from God. God can't look on sin. We can't stand before God. We're too disgusting. But Jesus Christ, He's that advocate. He's the one that kind of goes in our place, and we can be we're righteous through His made righteous through His blood, through His payment. It's all taken care of. It's all okay. Jesus was without sin. He He had to become our sin, and it was a horrible thing for Him to bear. I believe that the cross. I believe the pain of the cross was horrible. I believe the pain of the cross was more than we can imagine. Being beat with that cat of nine tails, being nailed to a cross like He was, being spit on and being mocked, that all had to have been horrible. But I believe the part that Jesus feared most about that cross was becoming sin for us. I don't know exactly how it all worked. and I don't understand all of it. But He did. He took our sin upon Him. He became the sinner. And I don't know, I could be wrong about this too, but I personally believe that it that it was that that actually killed him. The cross, I believe that was horrible. We, when you read the story of the crucifixion, it they put him through physically. Probably should have killed him a lot earlier. But I believe it was after he became our sin that he died. Because it's sin that brings death. And it was our sin that brought death to Jesus Christ. We killed him. We like to blame the Jews for it. I like to blame those Romans for it, but it was you and me that killed Jesus Christ. It was our sin that did it. But thank God, He overcame that. Jesus overcame death. Three days later, He resurrected from the dead. He came back to life. He's the only one that's done that. In Acts chapter sixteen, verse thirty-one, I love this. I love this statement here. I love this verse. The jailer, he comes to Paul and Silas after Paul and God, they miraculously, God makes a way for them to escape and they haven't left yet. The, the Philippian jailer, he's about ready to kill himself because if he let the guards go, if he let the prisoners go away, then he's going to have to pay the consequences and he's about to kill himself. And they tell him, don't do yourself any harm. And he comes to them and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, go to church. Give your tithe. Be a good person. No, they didn't say that. 
They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. He had to believe in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can save you. No other God died for me. Buddha did not die for me on the cross. Buddha was a sinner. Muhammad was a sinner. Every other one, all the other gods that are out there, and other they're they're all they're all sinners. Some of them are completely fake. Jesus Christ is the only one, and He's the one that you have to believe in for salvation. It has to be Jesus Christ. He's the one that died on the cross for you. He's the one that paid the penalty for your sin. It was His sacrifice. Not my, not my sacrifice. Not any sacrifice you made. Not the sacrifice of some other God. It was Jesus Christ's sacrifice. You've got to believe in Him. It was His righteousness. He's the one that we're going to stand before on Judgment Day. Jesus Christ in John chapter 10, verse 9, it says that He is the only door to heaven. I am the door, and by me if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. If we go through Christ, you'll be saved. You've got to believe in Him. Jesus Christ, He's the only way to heaven. John 14.6 Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen, don't get caught up in this Oprah religion that believes that all religion's okay, that there's multiple ways to heaven. No, it's Jesus Christ and Him alone. There's only one mediator between God and man, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. One med- there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. People say, you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? You know, that's racist. You know, what about all these other cultures and religions that believe other things? Hey, He'd save them too if they'd call on Him. This isn't, this isn't a white man's religion. This isn't an American religion. This is global. He died for the sins of the world. He so loved the world. And anybody, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just because there's other cultures and other nations that have accepted other gods, that's not His fault. That's not my fault. And that's not your fault. Don't make people feel bad when you say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. You're not being a racist. You're not discriminating. You're telling the truth. Jesus Christ, and it's, how could it be a white man's religion? He was a Jew to begin with. But He was the one that paid for our sins. He was Son of God. He's the only mediator. You can't almost believe. You've got to believe in Him. Acts chapter 26, verse 27. King Agrippa. Believest thou the prophets? Talking about that Old Testament scriptures. I know thou believest. And Agrippa said unto Paul, With but little persuasion thou wouldest fain make me a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that whether with little or with much, not thou only, but also all that hear me this day might become such as I am, except these bonds. And say, Paul, he, I mean, King Agrippa, he says, almost. He tells him later, he says, almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. I'm almost there. I almost believe. I got some doubts. Listen, you can't almost. You got to believe. You got to put your faith and trust in Him. You've got to believe. And the way, and part of salvation, we see throughout the throughout the New Testament, throughout the Scriptures, is you've got to repent. It says in Acts or in. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, for, for, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Before that, John the Baptist said the exact same thing. Repent ye, 
For the kingdom of heaven has a hand. In Matthew chapter three, verse two, you know, repent. You know, well, repentance isn't isn't repentance kind of like a work? You know, repentance it's a turn from one thing to another. And I thought we're not saved by works. Okay, no, we're saved by believing. But here, let me kind of illustrate how this repentance that we're talking about is not work. If you all right now are sitting in here. You're sitting down. You're listening. I think I've given this illustration before. But if I was to tell you a bomb's going off in five minutes, you can continue to sit or you can repent and get up and get out of here. And what's going to determine how are we going to know if you believe? If you believe me, you're going to get out, aren't you? You're just, hey, I believe he's telling the truth. I'm getting out of here. But you know, there may be some that don't believe me. And so, you stay in here. Nothing changes. Nothing happens. You obviously didn't believe, did you? Now, there's a lot of people out there that say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And then they go on and they live just as wicked as they've ever lived. And you say, well, are you saying people have to change to get saved? No, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying, if you believe in Christ, something's going to change. Something's going to happen if you believe in Jesus Christ. It, you're not going to be able to help it. Something is going to happen. If I'm walking down the street and I, and I see somebody come walking and they look threatened, I believe that person's going to want to do something to me. I'm going to take off running. I'm going to turn. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to, I'm going to take a different path. There's been times I've been traveling places and I'm driving somewhere and all this, you know, I think I'm going the right way. I think I'm going the right way. And I keep, you keep going, you keep going, and finally you get to the point you're like, you know what? I'm going the wrong way. I'm going to have to go another direction. And you turn around and you, you switch directions. When do you do that? When you no longer believe that you're going the right way. When your belief changes, it's going to change your actions. It's going to change what you do. Jesus, John the Baptist preached repentance. Jesus preached repentance. And if you believe that you're not bad enough that you need to repent, then obviously, Jesus did not come to this earth for you. Matthew 9.13 says, But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I didn't come for righteous people. I came for sinners. And I don't know about you, but I'm included in that sinner group. Because the Bible says, there's none righteous. No, not one. The reason he said that, these Pharisees, they thought they were righteous. They thought they were okay. They thought they didn't need to change anything, but the truth was, they were wicked. And Jesus wanted them to turn from their sins. Repentance must never be mistaken as a work. The work of salvation was done by Jesus Christ. Salvation is by grace through faith. It was because of grace that you, it was the grace of God that allowed you the opportunity to get saved. It was because of grace. It was the grace of God that allowed you to ever even hear the gospel. And it, it was that. By grace alone. When I, I got saved, when I, I said I was only five years old, but I believed in my heart, like, just like a little child, the Bible says, I believed that Jesus Christ was who I needed to go to for salvation. I believed I was a sinner. And I called in for salvation. I believed that day. And He saved me. And I was, I was saved then. Right then and there. And there's a lot of different paths I could have taken in my life and it would not have changed whether or not I was saved. I believe once you're saved, you're always saved. But because I'm saved, that Holy Spirit, boy, He, he pushes me a certain direction. 
He pushes me towards His Word. He pushes me towards the house of God. There's a certain thing because I'm a Christian that, that I want to do and want to be a part of. I still struggle with sin like anybody else, but the Holy Spirit convicts me of it. He punishes me for it. And uh, what I do wrong, and one thing that uh, people are wanting to do these days is there a lot of things that are being taught in churches is that, hey, go ahead, believe in Jesus, but you don't need to change a thing. Okay? Now, question is, then why get saved? Why get, why get saved? If nothing needs to change. Why get saved? If, hey, you know, hey, you're fine just the way you are. You know, come as you are. Hey, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. I'm not saying nobody. I'm never. I'm not saying. I've never heard anybody in any church I've ever been to say that you've got to change to get saved. But I'm here today to tell you though that this stuff is being pushed. Hey, you know, just come as you are. Just believe. Then you're not really believing. I'm saying you've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to save sinners. Are you a sinner? If you are a sinner, is that sin okay? You think God's okay with that sin? Or do you think He wants you to repent of it? And the truth is, many people are like that rich young ruler. He came to Jesus Christ and, I mean, this was a good guy. He said he kept the commandments from his youth up and Jesus said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. And he went away sorrowful because he had great riches. He believed in Jesus Christ, I, I guess, but not enough to give up something that was more important to him. He obviously didn't really believe. For example, I guess another example, if you, alright, gold, very valuable, isn't it? But if you are out in the river, say you're out on a boat and you fall and you're carrying a bunch of gold, you can hang on to that gold and you're going down, you're going to drown. Or you can let go of it and swim to safety. But you know, there's some some people they they're like that with their if in I mean people will they'll they'll let go of it if it will save their life. Because it's not worth your life. But then there's other people, boy, they're gonna hang on to it, whatever it takes. You know, they they say if you want to catch a raccoon, a lot of times you get a, some you get put something shiny in a little hole, they'll stick their hand into it and they'll grab whatever that is and when they try to pull their fist out, they can't get it out. Get stuck. They do that with monkeys. All they got to do to get free from that trap is let go. But they won't. <laughs> They're not letting go of what they have their hand on. And you can just go right up to them, you know, club them over the head or whatever. And hey, and they're they're at your mercy. There's nothing because they will not. They will not let go. And that's how people are with their sin. It's like they're they're trying to do that today with religion. I, I want to go to heaven, but I want to hang on to my sin too. Hey. You need to let go of it. Don't don't be thinking. If you're thinking about that, if you're even thinking about that, you don't really believe. A person who is drowning, alright, the only way they're going to be dumb enough to hang on to that stuff is if they think, hey, I can make it out of this somehow. Somehow, I can hang on to this my money and survive. But and if they don't have that a change of mind and just let go, they're going down. And that's how people are with their sins today. And I'm telling you, you must be born again. You must be born again. 
I'm not telling you you got to be perfect. I'm telling you, you need to be born again. You need to believe on Jesus Christ. You need to really trust Him. Believe that He can save you. Believe that He can take you to heaven. He can do that. He wants to save. He can save anybody. He can, he can change your life. There's no telling what He can do. You think of the worst person that you know out there. Jesus Christ could save their soul. He can change their life. He could get them on a new path. We serve Almighty God who's able to do some amazing things. And you know, we can go and we can debate how we can fix all the problems of the world all we want and talk about making this law and making that law. But the thing that needs to change is what's in the heart of man. And the only one that can change the heart of man is Jesus Christ. It's not going to be a speech from a politician. It's not going to be a, it's not going to be a drug or a medication. It's not going to be a law. It's not going to be a TV show that makes you feel bad shooting people or a commercial. It's going to be Jesus Christ. He's the one that's going to make the difference. So let's all stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.